Sunday night, amen? Good to be saved. Turn with me to the book of 1 Peter. It's almost near the back of your Bible. 1 Peter chapter number 1. Very familiar verse, very tremendous verse. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. For as much as you know, you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. We're not redeemed with corruptible things, but with the precious blood of Christ. Make a left-hand turn. Go over to 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. And I always get there before everybody else because I know where we're going ahead of time. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. You know, you may not have any billionaires or millionaires, but we're riding around here. you got beautiful houses up here and beautiful area, beautiful trees. Down where we live in New Jersey, it's really pretty slummy down there. And uh, it's just nice to get out on a pretty day and, and just see God's beauty. And, boy, we have it good, don't we? We have it good. My wife and I, we don't have anything, but we sure live good. And uh, I appreciate that. First Corinthians chapter number 6 and verse 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, you are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. Father, please bless this message. Lord, I'm thankful to be here tonight. Thankful for this church, Lord, uh, being here all these years where people can come and hear the word of God and people can get saved. And Lord, I pray you put your blessing on the preacher and his family and this church. And Lord, this meeting that's coming up, Lord, that you will use it to be an encouragement to the pastors. And Lord, that it would make a difference. And uh, God, I pray for our country. Lord, we need revival. We need you more than we ever have. I pray now that you'll bless this message tonight. And uh, God, we don't want to just get up here and, and just talk. But Lord, I want you to do a work in my heart and the hearts of the people here. I pray it will be a blessing that you will bless us. And uh, we ask you this in Jesus' name. We do plead the blood. Amen. The Bible says we're bought with a price. We're not redeemed with corruptible things, but the precious blood of Christ. Did you ever pay for something? Did you ever buy something and you didn't get it? I, um, I'm paranoid when I go to the grocery store. I go to the grocery store two or three nights a week. I buy all the staples for our house, pretzels and uh, crackers and cookies and all that good stuff. But when you check out, in our store, they have like a carousel. A, a thing spins around with all these yellow plastic bags on it. And a couple of years ago, I thought the lady had taken all the bags off and put them in my cart, and she didn't. So I got home, and some of the stuff that I had paid for, I didn't get it. And uh, I was upset because a lot of that stuff I was planning on eating. And uh, I, I paid for it, but I didn't get what I paid for. 
we, uh, we used to live in Texas for a while, and uh, people would come and visit us, and they'd all want to go down to Mexico. And uh, we'd go over into Reynosa, and I remember we were in there one time, and one of the young fellows bought a six-foot bullwhip. He wanted to crack that whip and make a lot of noise and be a cowboy. And uh, when we got back, he ended up with a three-foot bullwhip because the guy did the old switch deal. We saw him put a bullwhip in the bag, but it was only a three-foot one. It was a cheap one. Jerry Falwell, back in the 1970s, bought a jet plane. He bought the jet plane off a man in Texas who had beat Brother Roloff out of some money. So we sent somebody down there, a pilot down there, to fly the plane black back. And when they got to fly the plane, the plane back, I'm getting like black bug's blood up here tonight. I can't <laughs> say my words. They came down to fly the plane back. They found out it didn't have an engine in it. So they thought they were buying an airplane with an engine, and all they bought was the airplane without an engine. So... They bought something, but they didn't get what they thought they were getting. Now, let me give you the title of my message, and you understand where I'm going. When God got you, did he get everything Jesus paid for? Think about that for a minute. The Bible says we're bought with a price. We're redeemed. That means to be paid for, to be bought back. When God got you, did he get everything Jesus paid for? I want to go over some things just very quickly. In the book of Acts, chapter number 9. Acts chapter 9. And uh, I'll pick it up in verse number 3. The Bible says, As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. Suddenly there shined around about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth, and he heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecuted. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord showed him here what he's going to have him do. He's going to preach the gospel, and he was going to suffer. But think about this. Paul is having what we call his Damascus Road conversion, his Damascus Road experience. He believes Jesus is a fraud. He believes he's a fake. He hates Christians. And Jesus, listen, reveals himself to Paul on that Damascus Road, and Paul is instantly converted. Now, he had a dramatic conversion. He heard God's voice, an audible voice. He saw a light brighter than the sun. When I got saved, I didn't see a bright light. And I didn't hear an audible voice. But I want to tell you, I'm just as saved as Paul was saved. Because I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Here's what scares me. I think there's a lot of Christians, a lot of, a lot of churches, I should say, where there's a lot of people been down the Romans road, have never been on the Damascus road. The Bible says we need to be sure, we need to examine ourselves that we're in the faith. So here's Paul, and immediately at his, at his conversion, instantaneously, 
he says this word, Lord, what will thou have me to do? He totally surrenders himself to the will of God at the moment of his salvation. He gave it all to God, and he never took any of it back. Lord, what will thou have me to do? I believe with all my heart, no matter what the Lord told him, Paul would have done it. I think if he said, Paul, I want you to go jump off the roof, Paul would have jumped off the roof. If he said, Paul, I want you to go jump in the lake, he would have jumped in the lake. He was totally surrendered to the Lord. He gave it all to God. During the Second World War, I was born right at the end of the war. I'm not old enough to remember it. But the Allied powers said this. We are going to demand unconditional surrender from the enemy. Unconditional surrender. There's not going to be any terms. And people were critical of that. They said, well, it's going to extend the war. They're not going to give up as quick. They said, don't matter. It's not... There's not going to be any deals. There's not going to be any terms. Let me ask you a question. Are you totally, unconditionally surrendered in your life to God? Does he have you? He had Paul without a doubt. Look over in Matthew chapter 26. Can I say this? When Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood, and redeemed you, he bought all of you. When the Bible says you're not your own, you're bought with a price, the Word of God says what it says, and God means what he means. You are bought with a price. That word to be redeemed means to be bought back from the marketplace of sin. It would be like somebody that's on a slave block, and somebody's going to buy them like they bought Joseph, like Potiphar bought Joseph, and they pay the price and then they set them free. That's what God did for us. He paid a higher price than what we were worth. And then he said it's free. I thank the Lord for the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Look at Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. He's going to be betrayed in moments. And the Bible said he went a little farther. That's a good message right there. He fell on his face and prayed and said, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou will. Jesus was surrendered to the will of the Father. Jesus said this, I do always the things that please him. He did not come to please himself. He did not come to do his own will. He came to do the will of the Father. Every one of us ought to be, hopefully are, I don't know if we are, totally surrendered to the will of God. We ought to be able to say like Paul, Lord, what do you want me to do? Just show me. And let me say something. There's a lot of things in this book that God shows us. You don't have to pray about it. If it's in the Bible, it's the Word of God. Amen? Go over with me to Luke chapter 5. Paul was totally surrendered to the will of the Lord, the Father's will. Saul of Tarsus, Lord, what will thou have me to do? And then we see here in Luke 5, Peter and James and John. And in verse number 1, it came to pass, as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Genesaret. People wanted to hear the word of God. Not everybody is interested in God. Not everybody wants to hear the will of God, the word of God. But there are a lot of people out there that want to hear 
the Word of God. And we need to preach the Word of God. We're, we're commanded. Paul said, I charge thee, therefore, preach the Word. And we need to do that. It's the Word of God that saves people. The older I get, the longer I preach, the more I understand it and realize it's not me, it's the Word of God. It's the power of the gospel. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. you got these churches today where they don't preach anymore. They don't have pulpits anymore. And listen, that's, people are going to fill that place up with a bunch of lost people. You're going to have a church full of goats instead of a church full of sheep. So he saw two ships standing by the lake, and the fishermen were going out of them and were washing their nets. They were tired. They fished all night, didn't catch anything. He entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him he would thrust out a little from the land. He sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Jesus always draws a crowd. You remember the story, he's in the house and the guys got up on the roof and they left somebody down through the roof because they couldn't get to him. Listen, if Jesus is in this place, if God is in this place, you're going to get people come. Amen. Somebody say amen. We need to lift up the Lord. We need the presence of God. And that's another message, but we need to pray him in. Now, when he was left speaking, he was done speaking, he said to Simon, launch out in the deep and let down your nets, plural, for a draft. Simon answering said unto him, Master. That's telling right there. You know, Judas never called Jesus Lord. Called him Master. Master, we've toiled all the night. We've taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, notice, I will let down the net. I will let down the net. O ye of little faith. What happened to the nets? That's, we're a lot like that. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ships, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so they began to sink. Man, they had so many fish, they didn't know what to do with them all. They were loaded down with fish. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, Oh, Lord. Now, what did Peter say? Well, he sees Jesus teaching the Word of God, and he sees this miracle. He understands that this is not a natural thing. This is supernatural. And he sees both of these ships filled up with, with fish. But he sees something else here, and you don't want to miss this. He sees two things. Number one, he sees who Jesus is. He sees who Jesus is. Notice what he says now. When, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. Notice, O Lord. There's a big difference between Master and Lord. Jesus is Lord. Every knee shall bow, things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. You don't make Jesus Lord. You believe in the Lord. He is Lord, no matter what you make him. So we see here, Peter sees who he is. He understands now that this isn't just a man. This is the God-man. This is the Christ. This is the Son of God. And God shows him that. But notice what else he sees. Simon Peter saw what he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. First off, 
He saw who Jesus was, but not only that, he saw who he was. I'm a sinful man, oh Lord. When I got saved, I didn't get saved because I wanted to go to heaven. I didn't get saved because I was afraid to go to hell. I got saved because I wanted to be forgiven. I sat in about the third row in a church where I'd been in years and years as a boy. And I got so under conviction, I got so full of guilt, that I just, I just wanted more than anything else, I wanted God to forgive me. And I thank the Lord, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, Jesus says in verse 30, it was James and John, the sons of Zebedee, partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, notice, they forsook all, they forsook all and followed him. They forsook all. What is all? All is all, and that's all all means. All is everything. They forsook all, and they followed the Lord. Listen, they gave up family. They gave up friends. They gave up home. They gave up plans. They gave up dreams. They gave it all to God. They, they left everything to follow him. I have a friend of mine, Brother Bassett, supposed to come up for the meeting next week. Missionary to Ivory Coast, Africa for 30 years, him and his wife. Guy had malaria like 50 times. I mean, I, I respect, I have so much respect for him because he literally forsook all. Now, let me ask you this question. What have you given up for the Lord? The truth of the matter is America and our weak Christianity, we don't want to give up all. We don't want to give up anything. I mean, if it's a little warm or if it's a little too cool, or if the pew is a little too hard, or the message is a little too long. They gave it all to the Lord. Listen, God in Peter's life and James and John, he got everything he paid for. They gave him everything. They forsook all. Nothing was holding them back. Look in Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. He said unto them all, and this is good for us, if any man will come after me like Follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Well, that deny himself. You know, salvation is free, but serving God costs you something. Living for God costs you something. Being in the ministry costs you something. You say, what's it cost you? It costs you everything. If you're not willing to give it up, you don't even try to follow him. They forsook all, and they followed Jesus. Let me ask you a question. What about you? What about me? Does God have you? Does God have me? Does God have us? Is he getting everything he paid for? Are we really honestly totally surrendered to the Lord, or is there parts of our life we're holding back? Do we really say, God, just anything you want me to do, I'll do? Or do we make deals with God? I'll do this and this, but don't ask me to do that. The reason I'm saying this is because probably you're a lot like me. And it's, it's, we, we take stuff back on God. And we hold back on God. 
Proverbs 23, 26 says this. My son, give me thine heart. First thing God wants, and I think more than anything else, he wants all of our love. God doesn't want to be second. God doesn't, he says, have no other gods before me. Anything you think about more, anything you care about more, anything you love more is an idol. God needs to be in first place. God needs to be before anything else. He wants us to give him our heart. If you haven't, got, if you haven't given God your heart, if he doesn't have your heart, he doesn't have you. Talked about it this morning. If God doesn't have our love, he doesn't have us. Matthew chapter 22 and verse number 37. Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul and all thy mind. I want my wife to love me. We've been married 54 years. And uh, I met her when she was 14. And I fell in love with her about a year before she even knew who I was. And uh, we got our marriage license on her 18th birthday. You had to be 18 to get married. 18th birthday, we got the marriage license. And I want her to love me. But I don't want want her to love me more than she loves God. I want her to love God first, and I'll, I'll be happy with second place. Does he have your heart? If he doesn't have your heart, doesn't have you. Does he have your body? Romans chapter number 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto, your, unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's not unreasonable for God to want us to give our bodies to him. He says your body's not for fornication, it's for the Lord. And our body, we're supposed to live for God. Our life, we're supposed to live for God. Our heart, we're supposed to love God. Look over in Mark chapter number 10. Does God have all of you? Does he have everything he paid for? In Matthew chapter number 10 and verse 17, when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, we've heard that before, what shall I do I may inherit eternal life? Man, we would call this guy today the modern phrase, he's a seeker. I mean, he comes running. He's anxious. This, this guy's ready, man. He's ready to get saved. I mean, we're just going to whip him down the Romans Road, and, and he's just, it's just ripe fruit, ready to pick off the tree. What do I need to do to get saved? How often does somebody run up to you and ask you that? In, in 40 years, I've had one person come running up to my house. I actually rode a bicycle. He come run up on the porch, and I was sitting there. He says, what do I got to do to get saved? That was the only one ever came running to me. The rest, we had to scratch him out of the ground. We had to work for him and, and pray for him. And Jesus said, why callest thou me good? There's none good but one. That's God. Thou knowest the commandment. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and mother. And he answered, he said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest. Hey, the Lord knew exactly what his problem was. He said, One thing you lack. 
Remember the woman at the well? She said to Jesus, Sir, give me this living water. Jesus said, Okay, but first, go call your husband. She said, Well, I don't have a husband. He said, You say, Well, you don't have a husband, but you have had five. And the one you're living with isn't your husband. You know what? Jesus knew what she was lacking. Jesus knew what her problem was. Just like Jesus knows what our problem is. He didn't say to her, go sell all you got and give it to the poor. That wasn't her problem. And he didn't say to this man, go call your wife. Because they're two different people with two different problems. So, here's what he says. I lost my place. Hold on. One thing thou lackest, go thy way, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give it to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come take up the cross, thy cross, the cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. The Bible says this the love of money is the root of all evil. Money isn't evil. Money can be used for good. Money can be a blessing. It's the love of money. All through the Bible, Jesus bewares. God says, thou shalt not covet. Beware of covetousness. The love of money is the root of all evil. Let me ask you this question. When you got saved, did God save your wallet? Did your pocketbook get saved when you got saved? Or are you holding back on God? We have a treasure in our church. And I asked him one day, I said, Alan, what do you think, how many people do you think tithe in the church? 50%? You know what he said to me? Maybe. Maybe. If God, if you're holding back, remember Sapphire and Ananias? If God p- killed people for holding back today, I think the churches would be just about empty. I do. I mean, it'd be, it'd be a bloody mess. We're not, you know what? We're not afraid of God. We don't fear God. And that's why people hold back on God. Does he have you? Does he have your hearts? Does he have your bodies? Does he have your money? Does he have all of you? Look at Acts chapter 27. Acts chapter number 27. Give you a minute to get there. Acts chapter 27. Paul is on his way to Rome. He's got an all-expensive-paid trip to Rome. He's going to stand before Caesar, just like God told him on Damascus Road. Ananias, he said he's going to witness to kings. And they have this bad storm, and the ship's going to wreck, but everybody's life is going to be spared, and I believe that's because of Paul. And in Acts chapter 27, verse 22, I love these verses. Now I exhort you, to be a good cheer. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. So they've been fasting and throwing out the tackle of the ship and in this terrible storm. And Paul gets up and makes this announcement. He says, be a good cheer. Cheer up. You're going to be all right. Nobody's going to die. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all them 
that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, great verse, has nothing to do with the message, I just want to read it. Be of good cheer, for I believe God, that it shall be even as it was told me. What a great statement, I believe God. You know what, we might go through some real storms. We might go through some deep waters. But we're all going to be safe one day on the other shore. And everything's going to turn out all right. Notice verse 23. There stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. The hyper-Calvinist says it's all about who you are. If you are one of the elect or not. Chosen before the foundation of the world. And that's all a bunch of baloney. With Paul, it wasn't who he was. It was whose he was. Whose are you? Who do you belong to? Paul totally surrendered at salvation and stayed surrendered. Amazing person. I believe the greatest Christian that's ever lived. He was totally surrendered to the Lord. General Booth started the Salvation Army for poor people over in England back in the 1800s. Their motto was soup, soap, and salvation. Today, the Salvation Army is still in existence. I hope they're still giving out salvation. The Queen of England requested an audience with General Booth. Normally, the, the common people would be requesting the audience with the greater person. She's the Queen of England. She requests an audience with General Booth. And she says, General Booth, I want to ask you a question. What's the secret of your success? Your ministry is going all around the world. You've reached thousands and thousands of people, and you have this great ministry, and you're doing this great service. What's your secret? He told the Queen of England, he said, I really don't have any secret, but I guess the answer to my success is this. God has all of me. God has all of me. Very simple man, very simple answer. The question is this. When God got you, did he get everything Jesus paid for? Let's stand. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Preacher's coming up to the platform.